Hello, everybody. It's the Garage Door with Troy and Craig and special guest, Mr. John Bermuda Schwartz. John, hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, Troy. Hello, Craig. Hey, hello, John. Glad you're here. Me too. Me too. Thanks. And we are celebrating something that was hinted at in our last interview with, with Bermuda, and that is uh, John's brand new book called Black and White and Weird All Over. Oh, there it is. It's a <laughs> real book with, uh, with uh, real pages. Oh, look, there's me. What a coincidence. <laughs> oh, See, that's me as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Eating a Sunday. Yeah. Now, these, John, now, the background of the book, these are all photographs that you've taken while you guys have been on tour, doing video shoots, correct there? Is that right? Well, this, this book is specifically in town. I only shot black and white when we were in town. So it's uh, four video shoots. There's uh, the Ricky video, I Love Rocky Road, Eat It, and Living with a Hernia. So those span from 1983 to 86. And then there's also a couple of ventures into the studio where I, where I shot black and white. And I got color of, of our entire career. But this was the only black and white stuff I shot, and and none of it's ever been seen. Well, a couple, a handful, about a dozen of these photos have been seen before, but not in this quality. We made eight by tens, we cropped them, we didn't balance them very well, and that's the source of every one that's ever been published before. These are all taken straight from the negatives. These all the negatives were scanned. Uh, these are all new images, even the ones that have been out before. These are new; they're uncropped uh, in a lot of cases. So it's, it's a different kind of a, of a look than anything anyone's ever seen before. You know, the, the fans haven't seen these pictures and they haven't really seen very much black and white. So that's the vibe of the book and the title, Black and White and Weird All Over. Oh, it's great. We saw some sample pictures of it before yeah. we went on the air. And it's just, I just love it. The, the photography, you were able, John, you were able to capture some emotions, I thought, very much so. That, that, was, that was what I noticed, yeah. Well, Al, well, a lot of these are lucky shots. I mean, I don't claim to be, you know, a, a great photographer. I mean, I had a camera and I, I shot a lot of photos. Uh, I mean, the subjects obviously make it. And, and Al loved to, he loved the camera and the camera loves him. And I mean, even if he, if he wasn't aware something was being shot, he always looked okay. He always looked good. You know, he, uh, he, he, sometimes he would mug for the camera. I mean, but he was always you know, they were always, sometimes he would pose and, and be nice, you know, and, and like make a very nice shot, you know, and I just, and I'd click two or three of those and the best one ended up in the book. And, and uh, so, I mean, I shot a lot of photos and, and got lucky with a lot of them. And, and, but the ones that were picked for this book are all the best ones. And even the ones that weren't picked are pretty good, but these are like the cream of the crop. And, and uh, I'm very proud of them. And, and except for the handful that I'm in, like that picture of me sitting eating on a Sunday uh, on that one video, I handed the camera to another guy and I tried not to use pictures that I was in. Cause I thought, well, that kind of takes away from the fact that these are photos that I shot, except some of them were so cool. And I don't mean the ice cream one, but photos where I was in a shot with Al. Yeah. Uh, where I, I couldn't not use them. Right. So I figured out who took the photos and I, I asked a, a bunch of people who I would have handed my camera to on that video shoot. I said, did you take them? You know, they said, no, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have. I said, and I, and I got to the one guy who I was pretty sure did. And he says, I'm pretty sure I did. And he and I are not in the same photos together. So it had to be him. And that was musical Mike, <laughs> musical Mike Kiefer. And he's the guy that does the, and he's also in the video. So there's a picture or two of him in the book that I took and every other picture was in there uh, that I'm in was a picture that he took but it's just in that chapter and yeah there was a picture of me by myself eating an ice cream sundae the publisher picked that he says well as long as you're including pictures of yourself you might as well have you know they don't have to be with al 
you know, we can put a picture <laughs> and there's pictures of the guys, Jim and Steve have their own photos in there and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty comprehensive. I don't want to say that every photo has a picture of Al in it, but it's all, you know, certainly 90% of them do. And the rest of them are, are very heavily Al related. Like it's, it's one of us in the photo or sometimes though, you know, a couple of the guys are in the photo and, and it's just, a book turned out really good. I mean, once I got to see a physical copy, I was, I was really, really happy with it. Now, the shots were taken 83 through 86. Is that correct? Roughly? These, these shots, yeah. Yeah. And mainly black and white. Again, that's why it's the, called the, black and white and weird yeah. all over. Weird these, are, these are basically all of the black and white. I, I started shooting black and white with him with the Ricky video. So that was April of 1983. I don't have any black and white that I shot of him before that. And I also have color photos. Of, of, on the Ricky video set on all of these in all of these chapters there are color counterparts they're not the same photos obviously but you know I, I I would either switch a roll of film and then eventually I got two cameras so I'd carry one camera with uh, color and the other camera with black and white and so I have color photos and black and white photos that were very obviously shot in a sequence at the same time where I'd hold up one camera. Okay, wait a minute. And then I'd hold up the other one. And you know, while Al very patiently waited, he was really good about letting me take pictures. There's one picture in the Ricky chapter where he's giving me kind of a, a look like, geez, do you have to take every single photo of everything that goes on here? But I'm in, in the bathroom the, for goodness sake. <laughs> but in the, but at that point he already knew that I, I was taking a lot of pictures. I mean, I had a, the very second time he and I got together. I mean, the first time I met him, I didn't have a camera. Second time I saw him again, I had a camera with me. I mean, I have, I, I literally from that day forward, I had a camera with me all the time. Now I have a camera in my phone all the time, right. but I always carried a camera and, and um, you know, and I didn't shoot black and white until that first video. And then kind of sporadically over a few years, I threw a couple of videos I missed altogether with black and white. But after the living with the hernia chapter, that video, 1986, I never shot black and white. I don't think of anything again, certainly not of him. Huh. So this, this rep, it's a special book one, because it's just, it's, it's that era and there's not really any comprehensive photos from that era. You know, the people weren't going wild with, with cell phones and putting them up and Instagramming. I mean, there was no such thing in the eighties. Right. Uh, and, and the fact that nobody's seen these and the fact that they're insider photos, these aren't a bunch of publicity shots that, right. you know, were just for the press. These are, these are an insider looking in, I guess. That's what makes them special. I mean, to me, that's what makes them special. Right, right. And there were just, you know, when I asked Al, this, this started a little over three years ago. And when I asked Al, I said, you know, I, I re-stumbled across all these black and white photos. Nobody's, I never published these. I never even printed them. They were just contact sheets. And I said, can I look into maybe putting out a book or some publish, doing something with them? Can I put them out there? And he says, yeah. And he didn't, because he had never seen them. Uh, he hadn't seen, other than the handful from Ricky and I Love Rocky Road that were that were printed up and it was literally just a handful. Uh, I mean, none of these had been seen ever. I mean, none of the eat it ones were, were ever seen. You know, I was the only one that really even knew about them. Right. So he said, yeah, you know, go ahead and, and uh, do that. And I sort of looked into self-publishing at the time. And I guess I knew that it wasn't for me for this project. It's you know, so, I, it's so expensive. It can be. Well, it's, it's, it's expensive. Uh, I, I, you know, and not that I'm doing this to make money, because trust me, as you know, as an artist, we don't make a lot of money. <laughs> and and I'm not going to sell millions of these where it's like, you know, where it's all going to work out in the end. It's like, no, I, you know, I'm just, you know, this is this is paying for my time to. I retouched everything. I, you know, I've, I've been, uh, you know, work, handwriting interviews and stuff like that. 
and uh, you know wrote all the chapter stuff. Al wrote the foreword for the book, which is pretty cool. But but uh, I realized with the self publishing that at having to pay personally pay like maybe twenty bucks a book, it's like by the time. Well, by the time I, I, you know, have to make a couple of bucks on it and have to get packages and have to ship them and do all the, you know, the, it wouldn't work out. Nobody would buy the book for 40 or $45. Right. Well, I know, John, you, you worked hard to make this affordable for, for the fans. I mean, I, I think uh, retail, I think you're talking 30. Is that right? What it's 30 talking? to 30. The, the, the retail price is $35 and, and some places are selling it for less. Amazon ran a sale on it originally for like twenty five fifty nine. Oh wow! Which is a great price and a very curious price, and I'm and I'm surprised no fans. If there are any fans watching this now, you'll know what that was. I figured it out a little later. You know, they they offer um, that's an odd price, twenty five fifty nine, and I looked at it, and where they say what the discount is, you know, this is a whatever percent discount off the retail price. It was twenty seven percent. Now twenty seven is a very magic number among Al fans. So they somebody at Amazon that wasn't a, a chance thing because they could have put twenty five ninety five. I mean they could have made it a, a legitimate this twenty five fifty nine. Somebody figured that out. Well, Bermuda, deliver- would you mind explaining that what 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 that is? Well, twenty seven was, was it's just a number that keeps cropping up. Originally, it was just it was just sort of a gag, and then later on, Al began forcing it in different places. <laughs> but it was a very it's just one of those numbers that's like that's yeah. Al's number. Okay. And, and sometimes he messes around with it. Like he'll say 26 and a half, you know, or, or something, but I mean, it just, it keeps cropping up. I don't, it's not that prevalent much anymore. I mean, if he does it, he, it's kind of just a little high to the fan kind of yeah. thing, mm-hmm. but that was just a number that, that sort of cropped up and uh, sometimes coincidentally, but mostly he just sort of threw it in and people, you know, that's his number. So, so for example, on these, uh, on these strips here, that uh, I will explain in a second. The film strip starts at negative number 27. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't cook that up. I actually, I did find a strip that actually started on number 27. So that's a little, for the fans that see what that is, that's a little uh, nod to them. That's very cool. I, I'm sure they'll pick up on that immediately. So somebody at Amazon is definitely in the know. Oh, yeah. You know? Some, some, but yeah, they did not pick 2559 because they thought it was a funny <laughs> number. They, they did that so they could show 27%. <laughs> Well, now, seeing, uh, go ahead, Greg. What I've seen uh, from the book, the pictures and stuff, the uh, um, as a kid, you know, I was ten years old in '83, and uh, but I remember, perfect. I remember those those videos, and and seeing those pictures takes me back to those videos and makes me think about you know what I was doing, and, and I remember every single one of those, and um, the pictures just kind of show. It looks like you guys are all having fun and stuff, and I, you don't really in the video. It's different, but those pictures that behind the scene really for me was very cool. Well, that's and, and that took me back too, going through all these photos because again, a lot of these I well, all of these really I'm seeing for the first time, or, or some of them you know after 35 years, and uh, I know what I was doing. I was taking pictures. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, but but. Uh, it, it, it was fun. I mean, it's still fun. You know, it's, it's still, and, and the cool thing is I was able to take, first off, there were no other, you know, not everyone was running around with a camera. Not everybody, right. nobody had a phone with them. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't possible to do that in the way that it, it has been in the last 10 or 15 years, you know, 20 years. Uh, so I was the only one, we didn't have an, uh, you know, an onset photographer. I mean, you know, nobody really thought about that at the time. Right. You know, there were no production stills and they just let me, because I'd already been prior to that, you know, the, the, 
almost three years I've been with Aldo that I was taking pictures all the time. So it wasn't weird for me to show up with a camera again. Sure. And they mm -hmm. just sort of, because I was the drummer, they let me run around and basically get in everyone's faces. I mean, it was not, it was not a big deal. It wasn't important, you know, me clicking away. It wasn't like quiet on the set, you know, because right. there was really no live stuff. It was all to, to the track. So I could click away and it was no big deal. And I, I didn't use flash obviously, but, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, um, ultimately, they were very glad that I did, you know, that, and I was able to do that because I wasn't in a whole lot of scenes. So right. I had a lot of free time. Uh, so again, and the couple of scenes I was in, in that one video where you see pictures of that, that's the, the handful of photos that I handed them to Musical Mike, handed the camera to Mike and, and asked if he would take those pictures. And, uh, and, and likewise, I have color pictures too. He must have had both cameras. And, and uh, but in the end, I mean, even till now, when somebody needs photos, you know, they come to me because I'm the guy that has all of those photos, you know, so every, every project that's come up, even back in the day, the first real project that came up for Al where he needed photos from me was a, a, a book, a sort of a mockumentary uh, book of Al's life, a biography called The Authorized Al that was 1985. And there's a ton of my photos in there because mm -hmm. I was the only one that had pictures <laughs> the only one other, other than the record label, you know, had them for promotion. Right. But that's it. I was the only the guy that had photos. And that continued for year after year after year after year. So all the way up through a couple of years ago, Sony put out this great box set, this accordion. It's an accordion. And you open up the bellows and that's where the LPs go. And there's an LP and a CD version of it as well. And there's a 120 page booklet in there, chock full of my photos. And no. if they weren't photos I took, they're photos that I have that were sent to me by someone else who did take them or else right. I had the best version or I was the guy that was able to put my hands on it faster even than Sony was. <laughs> uh, I mean, Sony put out a, a CD compilation some years back called The Essential. They had a whole series of Essential, The Essential, Billy Joel, The Essential, right, you know, right. whatever it was, yeah. Essential Elvis, but a whole series of Essential discs. And they did one on Al and they needed a particular photo for the, for the cover. And for some reason, they, they didn't have it. And it was a production. It was a promo photo that they had taken for their <laughs> first album. That it should have been in their files. But no, they had to contact me to scan my copy of it, which of course I had a clean copy in the archive. And I scanned that and I made sure it was perfectly clean. So the photo that appears on there was supplied by me. Ah. Did, I, did I get a thank you? No, but they sent me 60 <laughs> CDs. So oh, well, okay. That's, that's that's better than a thank you or or twenty five or fifty bucks or See, whatever. It's great that you're the archivist, though. I mean, that's that's lucky that, and and lucky for fans and lucky for everybody. Well, lucky for Al, you know, yeah. when he needs stuff. For example, he sent out a tweet earlier uh, this week or last week or something. There's a movie coming out, Fat Man, and I mm -hmm. guess it's about this this evil, deranged Santa Claus killing whatever. And Al was going to put out. Al did put out a tweet about a, a song we did back in the 90s called The Night Santa Went Crazy, where, where he shoots up people and, you know, it ends up, yeah. there's two versions. One, he ends up getting killed. And then there's the version we released where he ends up in jail. And <laughs> anyway, and so Al put out this tweet, something about, you know, about how this, this thing was, you know, taken from his song, basically, from way back. Al yeah. thought of this 25 <laughs> years ago. Anyway, he wanted he, to put out a graphic. He wanted a copy of, of the cover of uh, there was a promo CD and he wanted a copy of that like he couldn't go into his closet and go find one right. <laughs> and he wrote me he says I know you can find this faster than I can can I get a scan of the night Santa went crazy which I of course went right to it and, and you know sent it off to him 
So in his tweet, that's my scan. <laughs> well, you know, anyway, John. So, oh, go ahead. And so anyway, so it's years and years and years of of people and press. If it's Rolling Stone or if it's whoever it is. Roland now is doing Roland a musical instrument company. Uh, Al is a Roland product endorser. They needed some photos of him with their product. So I went back through the archives and, and immediately found like 20 photos of him with a whole series of different keyboards there. He's, he's plays a Roland accordion. I've got pictures of him with two different Roland accordions. Uh, there's this guitar, which is this, this uh, it's called, it's a Roland axis, but it's called a guitar. And it's yeah. like a, it's a keyboard that's like it mounted in a guitar body. So you play this with one hand and you sort of fret it with the other kind of a thing. Gary Wright and, played that in uh, 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 Gary Wright. Uh, what was his big hit? Come Dreamweaver. On, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I've got pictures of him with that. Now, some of these are pictures that I took. Some of them are pictures that were taken of him on stage that, that I have, you know, at my fingertips. So anyway, so whoever it is, and I, and I don't, you know, I charged Sony for it, but <laughs> that was, a, that was a, a major thing. But for the Roland thing, for example, I just, you know, I spent about an hour on it and it's like, you know, that's fine. That's yeah, not, yeah. it's not a big, I mean, I owe Al a lot, you know, I owe Al a lot more than he owes me. So, well, you know, what's John is that bunny Carlos bunny is, is the, uh, the historian, if you will, for, for cheap trick up and up until, you know, we quit touring with him. Uh, you also, I think, uh, you have a lot of the shows you guys have done, correct? You've got got those uh, as recordings. Yes. yes. Or, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, especially early on, I taped, uh, you know, on cassette. I taped almost every show we did for years and years and years and years. Uh, I got my first video camera in 1987, so I started videoing the shows, and I got a whole series of different video cameras. Then we began having a video camera out at front of house that just recorded a stage shot and had those. Then we began recording shows digitally in multi-track and you know everything that went through the board so i've got a bunch of those i mean i've got you know out of 17 1800 shows that we've done i probably got eight or nine hundred or a thousand of them recorded oh, wow. in some fashion uh now a lot of those are probably not watchable other than to a hardcore fan you know it's not something we could really put out and some of them are quite good uh some of them we were able to get a couple of tours ago we had in in venues that would have uh like different cameras shooting the show to go up on big screens. They call it an IMAG. Mm -hmm. uh, they would actually, some of the venues did like really nice productions. They would, you know, the, dissolve things and cut and, you know, do like really, you know, they're used to doing rock acts. So they, yeah. they would do like a really nice production. And then we would get like a digital file of it at the end of the night oh, of cool. this, nice. of this highly produced. And it was a board mix and it was really, really, you know, like at Red Rocks at, at uh, one of the Red Rocks shows we did, we've got that. And it's, very, very cool. Not something I don't think we could put out, but, uh, you know, so, so it's nice to, but even though I'm not responsible for personally doing that, that is also in the archive and I could put my fingers on that, you know, in a couple of minutes. So yeah, I've just sort of, you know, and not just, not just images, not just, uh, photos and, and audio and stuff, but, uh, you know, different books, product. I mean, I've got 16, 1700 pieces of Al audio and video that have been released around the world, promo items, uh, promo audio and video items, wow. a ton of stuff. Um, in addition to probably 100,000 photographs of Al, uh, wow. you know, about 20,000 of which I've taken, and then the rest came from fans that have shot stuff on stage or in the meet and greets or stuff. So I got a lot of photos of me you know, with some of the fans and stuff that they've taken and that, that they've sent me. Oh, wow, John. Yeah, we, and you must can... have a... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead no, I was going to say a very understanding partner. 
Very understanding. Yes. Why. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she understands that when I go, all of this stuff gets put off on Al. She doesn't have to deal with any of it. And he's, he sort of, he knows what, what my archive entails. Now he's got obviously a lot of very cool stuff, but you know, he's, I've got just impossible things. And uh, some of it, I know he'll appreciate it. And a lot of it, it's, it's like, you know, God, what is this junk that he's, you know, filed that he's hoarded away all these years. <laughs> you know? So I've got stuff that he has no idea about. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure he's, he'll go through it all. He's not just going to wholesale, get rid of it, throw it out. You know, it's just cause I collected it. He's going to, he's going to want a lot of stuff that's in there and he'll, I know he'll appreciate and he does appreciate that, that I've got those things. Well, I think as, as fans, I'm just, appreciate very much the first of all for the book just the images are so i love black and white as a medium there's oh, the yes. book <laughs> what's that book what's the book's title and again what is it, it is black and, i i think i can i can illustrate this a little bit better hang on let me see let me see do i have the right am i doing the right <gasps> there, there we, we go, go. Hey. <laughs> that's the book black and white and weird all over and i'll tell you one other thing that the fans the fans didn't get the 27 percent thing on amazon Nobody's, and they've known about this title for a couple of months now. Uh, nobody's figured this out. It also says black and white and weird Al lover. Ah, hey. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do that. That wasn't my, I, I, you know, that just, and that's not my title either. That's neither the title, the, the publisher or I came up with that title. I had a different title. And, and I'll tell you, I had a completely different title. The official title is black and white and weird all over uh, the lost photographs of weird Al Yankovic. 83 to 86. Well, that's a, that's a mouthful. Anyway, the title I had was it don't matter if they're black and white, right? Like the old Michael Jackson song, <laughs> yeah. and which we did, which we did a parody of. It wasn't yeah. released, but we did. And we played it live called snack all night, but that's another, that's another book. Anyway, it don't matter if they're black and white, uh, photographs from the camera, unseen photos from the camera of John Bermuda Schwartz. And I thought, so, well, that takes care of that. I'll market it to Al fans. They, you know, they'll, they'll get it. I don't have to, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be a particularly clever title. I, who needs Al's name in it? Anyway, well, <laughs> apparently we did. The publisher says, well, for, first, about, about, your, about your title and your subtitle. First off, you don't mention Al's name anywhere. Uh, it would be nice to put Al's name in there. If someone's searching around Amazon for something or whatever, the book will come up. Maybe they'll buy a book. I said, oh, that's, see, that's something a self-publisher wouldn't have told me. Right, right, right. They right. would have gone with my title. And, you know, I would have sold, uh, you know, a thousand books and it would have, that would have been the end of it. Uh, so, and he says, and about the title title, you know, it don't matter if they're black and white. He says, you know, that might be, you know, this is 30 years on now. He says that, that might be a, a little uh, out of date for some of the fans. And also, you know, not everybody, you know, at this time, once again, not everybody's a big fan of, of Michael's, you know, alleged shenanigans you know, maybe right. not a good idea to drag him any more into this than he already is, thanks to the Edith chapter. Sure, you know, I mean, sure. you can't you can't not have that. But at least you know, at least not you know, don't don't put that out there like that. We don't need a single reference to that bad reference to that anywhere in, in someone's review. Not it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, John, to tie well, it to, to go ahead. So I said, well, we'll we'll okay, we'll we'll figure out. And he came up with some suggestions, one of which was for the subtitle was the lost photographs of weird Al Yankovic 1983 to 86, which is pretty good. They, they weren't technically lost, but they were more like kind of tucked away and, and forgotten, yeah. but they weren't really, I didn't, I didn't discover them and said, Oh, I wonder where these have been all these years. I, mean, <laughs> right. I know where they've been They've been in a safe in a file cabinet out there. So, and he came up with some title titles 
And I honestly, I can't remember what they were, but I wasn't that knocked out with them. But there was one chapter in the book and where Al is wearing a KZZP yes. uh, shirt. And KZZP was a radio station in Phoenix. It was one of the top CHR contemporary hit radio, top 40 radio stations in the country back in the, in the eighties. And, uh, uh, you know, back when, when uh, program directors actually programmed what was on the stations. It could break so, a record. could break yeah. a record nationally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that doesn't happen much anymore. So uh, the, this guy, Mark Jonathan Davis. Now, Mark Davis had, at, at this station, had uh, worked with Jonathan Brandmeier, who, who had, before he went to Chicago. He was at KZZP in Phoenix, for example, or, he, or maybe after Chicago. I forgot what it was. But he was... Mark, Mark came to work for K-Rock in L.A. He worked for Premier Radio. He did all these things. But he also sent stuff to Dr. Demento. Anyway, in trying to find out what the – because I asked Al, I said, what's up with you and the KZZP shirt? He says, I, I don't know. What, what do you mean? Because <laughs> he had never seen the photos. I had to send him a photo of, of himself wearing a shirt that was – he says, I, I don't remember this at all. I don't know. So, so I thought, well, I know who was at KZZP at the time. Uh, you know, uh, those, those photos were shot at the end of 86, mid 86. So I know somebody who was there. So I contacted Mark, who's a friend of mine. Mark is also, is also Richard Cheese of Lounge oh, Against the Machine. Oh yeah. That's, okay. that's Mark Jonathan Davis. Anyway, so I got a hold of okay. him and we were, and I was telling him about the book and I sent him some of the photos and, and uh, you know, we were talking about it. He says, yeah, the, pro and he wasn't clear on it either, but he says, we probably, he was at the station. He says, when, when did you shoot these photos? Okay, he was at the station a couple of weeks before doing something with Dr. Demento. And anyway, we weren't quite sure what happened, but I, I think the deal was they gave Al some shirts or they sent Al some shirts and Al and Rick Derringer wore the shirts. Of course, I took pictures, put them in the book and that's what it, but anyway, in, in the conversation I was having with Mark, he says, uh, if you don't have a title, because I don't think I told him the title. He says, if you don't have a title, uh, here, you can use this. How about black and white and weird all over? You can use it. It's free. It you, can, you can have it. You don't have to it pay me or anything. And I thought about it, and I still wasn't sure which way we were going, but I thought, you know, that's that's pretty good. I'll, I'll hang on to that just in case something goes wrong. Well, my original title did get nixed. I didn't like the publisher's titles, and we both loved black and white and weird all over. Well, I think it's perfect. I, I just it think it's perfect. Yeah. So what happens now is Mark gets a book. <laughs> for, hey, for his effort <laughs> so that's uh that's it in case you don't like the brick wall we have this other uh you know. oh. oh the brick wall's got to go though for every struggling band you've got to have okay. a brick wall you know now to go over it again the book the book illustrates oh, i don't know where he's at now <laughs> you know what do you do you guys i i know you're beetle fans do you recognize this background that is uh uh, where that's Tittenhurst. Tittenhurst. That's John, where they did the last photo shoot. Isn't it? But do you recognize it's it's a it's an illustration? Do you recognize where it's from? I don't. There's a cool series of videos on YouTube, of course, called Beat Tunes, and they've taken audio from from outtakes or different things, and and even actually added you know these bad Beatle voices, and and just and and they have these videos of stuff going on in the studio, like like Ringo being replaced on Love Me Do. You know, they have this crane come in and, you know, and get, yes. get rid of Ringo. And then they drop yeah. in this box. It opens up and, and Andy White is inside. <laughs> and then they showed Ringo in the control room listening, you know, with George Martin and all that listening and crying, you know, because he's not on. The so it's a whole series of those things. It's pretty cool. Anyway, this is from one where it's the, uh, 
the uh, paperback writer video. And, and there's a bunch of, I guess I got a, at some point I was able to grab a clean grab of that, but it's got the director and the cameraman and all this are out in the, in the oh, lawn okay. of this. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's from that, but it, look up B-Tunes with two T's and, and uh, they're, they're hilarious. They're, they're absolutely they're a lot of fun. Yes. They're, yeah. they're spot on. I, uh, the uh, Hawaiian shirt I got on the Stormtrooper today. First time I ever saw you guys in concert. Oh, when nice. My daughter. So. I pulled that out and put it up on there today. Oh, very good. <laughs> what's what's the beret? I can't tell what. Oh, it's a bicycle hat. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> John, I noticed you've got some drums back there. I, I got, got a couple. I... Of, got a couple of drums. Got a got a gold album there. Got my uh, syndromes over there. Uh, got an old Gretsch kit in the back that I regret letting go of. <laughs> North staccato. A bunch, bunch of a lot of those drums are gone. Uh, wow, Sin Sinair, a Mattel Sinair. Yeah, yeah. Got the noisiest drum machine in the world, but uh, <laughs> it was great. I actually I sampled the sounds off of that, and they're just they're so badly analog, but they're cool. Yeah. Well, I know it's a gold. What's the gold? Is that a lady back there? Uh, looks like a gold. Uh, that one? No. Oh, you know what? That one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> that that uh, that probably was. There was an all gold or probably gold plated leady. I, there was a name for it and I forgot. Uh, and, and I, I sold a bunch of those drums and I shouldn't have. And that's one of the ones I sold for a hundred bucks. Oh, shut it. To uh, Joe Pollard ah. of, of uh, syndrome fame. But he also, he, he worked with uh, Duraline and he worked with, uh, he helped develop the mainline drumsticks yeah. as well. And anyway, so I, I, so Joe and I go way back and, and, uh, maybe I sold it for a hundred and a quarter, okay. but, but, uh, I can't, it had a name and I cannot think what the name of the drum was. It was stamped into the, the hoop, hoop not, a, yeah. not a Broadway or what, but it was, had some name that had to do with it being a, a special drum, but the rods, everything on it was, was plated. Very oh, cool drum. I don't remember if it sounded good or not. They were just sort of on display. Well, John and I first met at the Chicago Drum Show, so Drum Geeks Unite. Greg, you've been there since, so it's it's you need to go if you're in if you're into drums at all. It's just fun. I've got a buddy that's now collecting North drums. You know that's ah. what. <laughs> well, I had I had a uh, this was part of an entire kit that I had, and I also had a whole set of staccatos. Yeah. As well, uh, I don't know if they're actually back there or not, but. Uh, yeah, they're back there. I mean, I mean the entire. I I think these were just pieces oh. from different kits, like some of my impacts. Are, actually, there's an impact kick, so maybe the the staccatos are are buried in the back. But I had and and the problem with both the North and staccato, besides them being extremely large for what what the drum size should have been, is that neither of them sounded very good. I mean, really. Uh, if you and and I got rid of both kits, and I sort of regret it, but. But each kit took up like twice the amount of space yes. that a normal yeah. kit would have taken. So in getting rid of those two kits, I probably brought back four more to replace <laughs> them. And so I sort of net zero Tell me know, multiply. on the drum kits. Yeah. Yeah. This well, is this is this was nineteen eighty five. This was a very small portion of the stuff I had even then. And nowadays uh, there's not a room big enough to put all of my crap in. Yeah, I hear you. As you can see behind me, I've ran out. I have no. too many drums. But um, well, now speaking about drums, I got to ask. Last time you were on, we uh, uh, we were talking about you know how it's kind of been a, a hiatus of touring, but you had had this new digital uh, 
what I call oyster black digital pearl from Ludwig. Could you tell us a little bit more about those drums again? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a, a photo of those, but what it is 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 uh, they're, they're in here somewhere, but I can't, can't get to them. They're, it's, a, it's a black and white. It's, it's, uh, I'll tell you where it came from. And, and Uli might not enjoy me telling the story, but it's not, they didn't invent this. It, it looks like if you can imagine digital oyster black, uh, uh, I'm sorry, if you can imagine oyster black pearl digitized to pixelated to where it just became like a bunch of squares and bars and, you know, of different shades of gray and black. If you can imagine what that would look like, that's, that's kind of where this got its name, but that's not where it started. They didn't decide to just mess up a, a classic old finish. He was in uh, uh, the Charlotte airport one day. Uh, Charlotte airport is, is the airport that uh, people fly into to go to Monroe where the Ludwig factory is. So when the people from Con Selmer in Chicago and the rest have to go to Monroe, they have to fly into Charlotte. So in the airport there at the time, there was a down one of the long, uh, escalator, you know, tramway things that you stand on to get from the terminal to the, to the baggage claim or whatever, there'd be a wall, you know, and a lot of times there'd be a mural and stuff like that. Well, there was one wall that had this giant digital screen and it was one of the things that went on the screen was this sort of juxtaposed black and white and gray geometric thing, you know, with a lot of kind of vertical and sort of squarish vertical horizontal rectangular bars. And he took a picture of it thinking that that might make a cool drum finish. And I think later when he looked at it, it's like, that looks like if you digitized oyster black, that looks like that. So that, that became digital oyster black or digital black oyster. They, they had to call it like all the, all the drum guys started calling it black oyster. So they, Ludwig had to do that too, but it was originally oyster black pearl. John, what sizes do you play in concert usually when you guys are on tour? In, in concert, I, I like a 24-inch kick just, just for the size of it. Now, I've got my kick padded up pretty bad. I mean, it doesn't make – it seemingly doesn't make a sound, but you put a mic inside, and all of a sudden it's got some depth and it's got some, a little bit of boom to it, things that you don't hear from the backside. So I, I'd like a 24 just so it looks a little bit bigger. And but you have a Kelly, you have a Kelly shoe in there, is that correct? In that? I have uh, – <laughs> Talking about – Shoe! Shoo! <laughs> Shoo! <laughs> it was, uh, I, uh, there. I've got, I got two Kelly shoes. Uh, one holds a mic, uh, a flat mic uh, that lays on the pillows by the batter head. That picks up my kick for my thumper, my butt kicker thumper. And they also mix in a little bit of that for attack. And then there's another a horseshoe one, the traditional one, that's got a, it's a, it's a sure Beta 52, I guess, is one of the sort of biggish mics, the low end mic. And that's in there sort of in the drum to pick up a little bit of the air. And I think that's where the, the sound out front, I think it's picking up that air movement inside there. But it almost really doesn't matter what size I play because it's, it's so padded up. So I play yeah. a bigger kick just to have it look big. And then for toms, and this has been pretty consistent for many, many years, it's 12, 13, 16. And that's just because that's kind of what I grew up with. I, I never gravitated much towards 10-inch toms. I think it's some, yeah, on one yeah. tour I had a 10-inch. Uh, never used an 18 on, on tour, although I'll use them to record and to do local gigs. Uh, but a, a pretty standard, I, I forgot what they called it, but it was almost like a Hollywood outfit, a, right. a, a Ludwig yep. Hollywood outfit. And then they might have called it something different when it went to a 24, 12, 13, 16. But these were all ordered 
separately anyway. So my current kit is a classic maple in teal sparkle, which is a very pretty, almost a turquoise sparkle, and uh, already a discontinued finish. Uh, it was out for a couple of years and already done. So I got already a, a rare kit of classic maples. And then snare-wise, I used just a 6.5-14 Black Beauty, and I've used that for 13, yep. 14 years. And the uh, the uh, clear coat on the outside is is completely eroded away. It's down to the black nickel, which has now started to turn blue and <laughs> brown and all these terrible, you know, it's got a patina on it that's pretty incredible. So it's a very ugly drum that's very cool as well. Like the old Ludwig Deluxes from the 20s got this sort of yeah. patina yes. on it. I'm sure yeah. they never looked like that when they were brand new. But that's the look we like now. Like, yeah. like uh, uh, White Marine Pearl. If you see a white marine pearl kit and it's white, it looks really weird. You expect yeah. it to be a little bit yellow. Yeah, the yellow even if it's, it, yeah. even if it's brand new, you you expect that you're used to seeing a, a slightly you know cigarette nicotine tinged you know look to it. <clears throat> anyway, so those are drum wise. That's what I'm using on the road, and I'm hoping to take out this the uh, digital black. And those are on those are exclusive, unless you're Questlove, who got them put on his classic maple <laughs> kit. Yes. Those are exclusive to the. And I love Questlove, but <laughs> anyway, those are exclusive to the new Sonic Ludwigs, which is a line they came out with a couple of years ago. And it's, it's actually, they're made in Monroe. It's an American made shell. They make them in the factory and it's a different shell. It's a very different shell for them. It's a, it's a hybrid shell with maple and cherry. So there's maple on the outside, three plies of maple on the outside, three plies of cherry on the inside. And they're very thin. And then the wrap, it's not really even a wrap. It's like the, the seventh ply is put on in the mold. Uh, there's a okay. limited amount of finishes. So nice. the, the digital, this digital black oyster is, is uh, it's like a kind of a Formica feeling finish, but it's part of the drum. It's put on and is part of the drum. Yeah. It's not applied to an existing shell. So it is apply. And I think that's why the, the shells resonate the way they do. They sound incredible. I mean, they just sounded fabulous. And I, I loved them when they came out two and a half years ago. I loved them then. I don't know why I didn't grab a kit then. They were fairly limited in size and fairly limited in finish. Mm -hmm. uh, the next year they had this kit and they come out with a new finish, coral or pink or whatever it was, or salmon or whatever. They call it coral. And I, I, I go to NAM and I help Ludwig set up. So I'm in there on Monday, even though the show starts on Thursday. And we unpack the kit. And I think on, on the Tuesday, you know, I, was, I go around and I would tune all the drums. And on the Tuesday, again, there's nobody in the place and I'm playing the drums and I, I went to, to uh, the guys at Ludwig. I said, I'd like to, if this kit isn't already sold, you know, if the dealer hasn't already bought it, I want to, I'd like to take this kit at the end of the show. He says, no, Bob Rupp already got it. No, Rupp. Bob, Bob is not even here. <laughs> I'm tuning these drums. How did, he, how did he get this kit? He's not even here yet. How did he know? Anyway, so I missed out on that. So when I knew the, and, and Uli over at Ludwig told me well in advance, that digital black oyster. He says, this is our new finish. I said, you know what? And I wasn't sure I liked it in the beginning. And about two or three hours later, I fell in love with it. And I said, I want, I, I hope you're bringing a kit like that to the show. And if so, I want, I want to take that kit. I want to put my name on it now before Bob or anyone else does. Anyway, I didn't get that actual kit that was at the show, but I did get the same kit. And it was a, a traditional classic, a Ludwig, uh, super classic, I think. Super classic, yeah. So 14 by 22, 9 by 13, 16 by 16. Yep. And which are also in, in my range of sizes. I don't like too deep of a kick, you know, 14, 16 at the very most. Uh, but it's a very classic, you know, kit from that era. 
just with a digital look and, and in my opinion, improved shells. I really love the sound of these drums. So the idea is to take these drums out on, on tour uh, next year in 2021, uh, you know, if, if everything looks good. The problem, one problem we're having is they only are doing these digital finishes, the, this particular wrap on certain sizes. They've only got one configuration right. and right. it's this 22, 13, 16. Of course, I use a 12 inch Tom. I can go with the 22, That's, but I, I would want them to make me a 12 inch Tom. And it's not, you would think, well, we'll just make a, cause they make a 12 inch new Sonic. Well, we'll just take the 12 inch and we'll just tell it and put that wrap on that 12 inch. It doesn't work that way. They have to have a, a, a stock number that says you take this shell with the, in this size and with this lug and you know, these heads and this badge and these choice of wraps. And if the digital black is not in that choice of wraps and it's not, it's not. Yeah. They won't make the drum. Yeah. Did I mention that, that uh, uh, Questlove got his yeah. rap on, on this whole other series of drummers? Yeah. How'd that happen? This whole other classic maple. I, I just because, anyway. just because he's what? On just TV? He's on, just because he's on TV every stinking night. That's not fair. And he's a spokesman for, for, you know, all these, you know, I mean, he's the Dave Grohl of the drummer world. <laughs> <laughs> that seems odd to say, but as far as being, being out there, he's the guy that's featured on TV talking about, you know, musical groups and, yeah. and the industry yeah. and stuff like that, as, as is Dave. Anyway, uh, no, so, so what I'm waiting for, I, I'm no, I, I, I uh, me too. I'll tell you a quest love thing in a sec. So, so I wanted, I'm looking for a couple of other sizes. Ideally, I'd like them to make a 24, which they don't make at all in the new Sonics, but I want them to make me one anyway. They, they won't. But I want them, you know, they have the wrap. They make a 12-inch Tom. I mean, I want them in the correct, you know, 8 by 12. And I want, I've, I've asked if they'll do that. Anyway, they, they tell me they're expanding their, their sizes and the, the wraps that they'll use. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get that to happen. Not that I'm in any giant rush to, to use that. We're not going out till, well, not immediately next year anyway. Anyway, real quick about Questlove. We did uh, Jimmy Fallon's late night show many years ago. And it was the Tonight Show host yet. And that was the first time you really heard about the Roots, you know, and, and Questlove, really. So we were on there. This is maybe 2009 or 10 or 11. We went on there to do, uh, do one of our songs. And we did a run-through in the afternoon, did a sound check, basically. And they did all the camera blocking and stuff. And the Roots were in there. Also, I don't know why they would need to do a sound check, you know, since they play every day. But... They were in there. They were all there and, and on their bandstand and, uh, you know, watching us. Now, Jimmy Fallon's a big fan of Al's. That's, you know, a part of, uh, we were his first concert ever in Poughkeepsie, New York in 1984 or five. Oh, he wow. saw it as a place called The Chance, which was just sort of a club. We were just doing clubs then. And he still got his tickets that, from that first oh, concert. Wow. Anyway, and so, so, so Jimmy's been great in terms of promoting Al and doing other stuff. Anyway, so we were on the show. So I went over when we were done. You know, and, and I went over to introduce myself to Questlove. I said, hi. I says, oh, I know who you are. I'm a big fan. So that was very, very ah, cool. That's and awesome. it turns out, and it turns out he's a, a big fan of, of Al's and, you know, knows me and, and all of that stuff. So that was really, really cool. So I don't, I don't begrudge Questlove for, no, for no, no, anything no. other than getting my finish on his drums. <laughs> right. Well, now, I John, can, I don't, I, I don't want to get you in any trouble, but you did mention a little bit about, about a tour. Can you give us any hints at all? Any idea? I know everything is depend. Everything as of right now could shift suddenly, yeah. but uh, anything you could let sneak out. Yeah. Speaking of shifting, this is what the venues <laughs> look like right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's uh, Chastain Park in Atlanta. Red Rocks. At least they kept the rocks at yes. Red Rocks. <laughs> Here's, I don't even know what this place is. Carnegie Hall? Empty, empty, empty. That You know what? That uh, No, we haven't played no. Carnegie Hall. We will one of these days. We're, we're going to play Carnegie Hall. Oh, big arena, no people. Oh, too bad. It's sad to I, see. I do have one fun one. Hey, it's the Hollywood Bowl. That's very yeah. cool. <laughs> Give us a sound Wait. check. Hit that crowd. Hit that China. Hit that China for us. We don't boom. Okay. You know what? This is this. I'll tell you about the tournament. This is a really rare photo, and it's rare because they don't want you to take pictures when you're on the stage at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, yeah. I was I was chastised immediately after I took this picture. So this is a rare photo. Why? We, Why? What? What's their thought process on that? I want. I I don't know. I, okay. I maybe there's a union photographer sleeping in the back whose job <laughs> I'm taking away. I don't know. Well, I'm glad you. I mean, got I'm, it. A, I'm in the wrong union. I'm in a couple of unions. I guess both of them are the wrong ones. <laughs> anyway, so so this is a rare photo. This is the first and only photo that they know of that. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I was I was to get some more later, but uh, anyway. So I I, uh, I thought I thought they were being a little upset about it. So I I developed a new term for them, sort of a medical paraphrasing, irritable bowl syndrome. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> Hollywood bump. bowl, yeah. <laughs> That's good. So <laughs> anyway, so no, but about the tour. Uh, Let's see any other places that we didn't get to. Yeah, sad. I miss. I miss all of that. Oh, thirteen thousand people. Nobody there. Gosh. So uh, ah, there we go. So next, next the the tour. Now this was you know with COVID and all of that. I mean all the local gigs of course dropped off starting in March. My last gig was March tenth. Yeah. Uh, with with one of my bands here. Uh, Happily, this we were not touring this year anyway. This is we usually tour two years on, one year off, and this was our year off. So we knew, well, we knew early last year that we were not going anywhere this year. Yeah, and but we knew we were going to go out in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. There was already there was set lists. I mean, we already had this stuff both years together, and when COVID hit very early on, we had a tour plan that was going to start in January of twenty twenty one. Uh, we were going to go, we were going to do the States. We we're going to do North America for, uh, January through maybe end of April, early May, and, uh, go do some other stuff over the summer and then go back out in 2022. So they had started, uh, William Morris had started to book dates already. And when COVID hit, and this was already, they, they very early on, like mid March, they said, you know what, this is, no one's going to be doing anything for a while. We're going to delay. We're going to postpone the tour. We'll look at Later in 2021, hopefully things will be together. And, and uh, they've already begun booking some dates for later in 2021. Uh, I can't tell you exactly uh, uh, when. I can, but I won't, I won't tell you exactly right now, when. Right. Uh, but there are some dates booked as well. So they're, they're working on that. Whether that becomes a reality uh, you know, remains to be seen. I mean, I, I, I sincerely hope it does. You know, and I think it all depends on getting a vaccine that people that will work and that people will take. And I think once we get to that point and everyone sort of has some protection, it's all going to come back hard and fast. Sporting events, uh, you know, all uh, clubs, yeah, eating at restaurants. Busy, man. And we'll be, and people will be after, you know, probably what's going to be a year or more off from, from doing stuff like that. They're going to be rabid 
Yeah. Oh, so yes. you're going to yeah. see people are going to be packing clubs. Live music is going to be huge again. Uh, venues will be packed again. They will be champing at the bit, as they grammatically correctly say. Because <laughs> chomping can hurt. Ow! <laughs> so you don't want to, you know, you, you don't want to have that. Ha- yeah, chomping, right? <laughs> <laughs> don't um, now John, where can, where can people get the book? Black and white and weird all over. Where can people go to get the book? You mean that? That book, that book, yes. that book right there. You mean, you mean that book? <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Look at that. Uh, well, there's a website for, for the book, uh, which is uh, now in, in web, but they don't like the ampersands there. So we had to say and. So it's black and white and weird. And weird is spelled W-E-I-R-D. And if you, you can remember that because in the early days you, you, in school, you learned that little, uh, that mnemonic thing, E before I, that's weird. Remember that? So (laughs) that's how you know how to spell black and white. Or if you have a lot of extra time, you can actually, we got both domains. You can actually type in black and white and weird all over if you have an extra three or four seconds on your hands. And then that just goes to blackandwhiteandweird.com. So whatever. Uh, On there, there's a link that says book and you click that and it gives locations of of, uh, all the online stores that are selling the book. There's, uh, of course, Barnes and Noble and Amazon have got it. You know, they're selling. Uh, uh, we've got lists. Amazon in almost every country they deal in uh, is selling the book. Uh, Italy and and Spain and and Brazil, uh, everywhere. Singapore, I think. Uh, so you can get the book worldwide. There's a list of some of. There's some cool bookshops in uh, England and Europe. Foils uh, has the book available. You can pre-order the book at Foils. Uh, Waterstones. I think has locations throughout Europe, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and in the U S uh, there's, there's one place, uh, there's a number of locations in the U S but there's one place that's actually selling pre-signed uh, copies, meaning they're not pre-signed yet. I will go into, it's a store in LA called book soup and you can have a, a personalized sign, you know, autographed copy by me when they get them, when they get a stack of books in, I will drive up to the store. It's in Hollywood and uh, I'll sit down and, and in an empty store with a mask on <clears throat> and gloves and a Sharpie signing all these books. And those will get shipped out. So blackandwhiteandweird.com, E before I, that's weird. Uh, and, and click on book and then click on book soup. And that'll take you to the page where you can get a uh, personalized uh, autographed copy. Oh, fantastic. And I, oh, and, and not just that. And it's, and it's the $35. It's the selling price. But you also get, I don't have them in front of me. But you also get a set of postcards, five by seven postcards, suitable for mailing. If and nobody's going to mail them, but you know, <laughs> so it's a very cool thing that I think only they have. I think they've got oh, the wow. only ones that that are doing that. So that's an extra besides being able to get an autographed copy at a time when I really can't go out and do in-store appearances. Right. Uh, that's the only way to 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 really get that, and you get the postcards to boot. So book soup is is kind of the cool thing. Amazon is you know they they'll run a sale on on the book sometimes. So it's just right now they've got it at, at thirty five dollars, but I've seen it for thirty two fifty. I saw it for twenty five fifty nine, which is a twenty seven percent discount in uh, Al folklore. <laughs> wink, uh, wink, 20, nod, twenty seven. Twenty-seven is, uh, you know, a, a good number. That, in fact, that was on that sale price uh, when when it was announced early in August. Yeah, as a matter uh, of fact, on one of Weird albums, one of Weird's Al- Weird Al's albums, I think if you spin it backwards, no, that's number nine. Never mind, that was the Beatles. Sorry about that. <laughs> Al Al does have some backwards masking in some things. One of them, one of them says, "Gee, you must have an awful lot of free time on your hands." <laughs> 
So anyway, so the so the autograph. So there's Book Soup has got these pre-signed, uh, not pre-signed. I mean, I'm going to go in and sign them to order, basically, and and they're also doing something else. The the publishers created these book plates. And a book plate is a sticker. If you've ever gotten a book that's, that's autographed and sometimes you see the book and it's got a sticker with the autograph on it that was put on later. Uh, that's, we've made them up. And what we've done is we've made up some negative strips from the book. And this is a, a sheet of them. I signed 900 of these a couple of weeks ago and I signed my name in the middle and that gets pasted into the book. And then that becomes an autograph. It's not personalized, but it is my personal autograph in the book. And Book Soup won't have those, but a couple of the other independent bookstores uh, will have those, and, and they'll be able to announce them at the time. I don't know exactly who's getting them right now. Okay. okay. But an actual signed book comes from Book Soup. Uh, these book plates will wind up in some other books, and those will be announced on Black and White and E before I, right? Uh, and and uh, so those will show up. So actually, having having some unsigned these, and these are, I've got two sheets and I'm giving to Al for his uh, life <laughs> and and those are sort of uh oh wow i just realized i got a tan when i held this up that's cool <laughs> you look good yeah <laughs> so having having unsigned ones like this is kind of cool because all the rest are signed of course you so, won't be able to drum because of carpal tunnel you know because yeah oh no I, by, by by the end i mean i was i was like this you know, just, <laughs> it was terrible uh, i mean thankfully my my autograph is a scrawl anyway so they all look pretty much the same but it's just it's just kind of <laughs> You know, but it's, it's legit. I actually, I, I signed every one of them. And, uh, you know, it's, if, if you know, it's supposed to be my signature, you can go, yeah, that guy, I can see where that looks like him. And I even put little quotes around Bermuda. So, it's, so again, if, if you want to find the, the uh, book soup is the name of the law saying black and white and weird. Although I want to e find it. E before I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> after W. Yeah. No, but if you click on it, <laughs> right, right. And it, so, so, uh, and then you click on the book soup link and then it takes you specifically to the page that, that has the, uh, pre-signed or the, the, the personally signed, the personalized. That's what it is. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Well, John, I want to thank you for taking the time and spending some time here in the garage with us. It's always a, a pleasure. Uh, I'd like to visit, you know, the book is not going to be sent out till in November. Is that correct, John? The, the release date, it actually got, it got changed a little bit because of COVID protocols. The release date now is November 17th, but they are, they, they will be at the distributor this week. So they're going to start coming out there. I think if Amazon and Barnes and Noble and stuff, get them soon i think they'll send them out prior to the 17th so but the, the, origi the original date was uh well the, the original date was october 27th it got bumped three weeks but i think they're going to start showing up pretty quick anyway uh so that's so but it'll be out uh, in time for christmas well 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 and well before christmas it'll be out and and beat the black friday rush in fact it comes out on a tuesday it's a black and white tuesday oh there there we go. Go. you can't wait for black friday you can you can get it on black and white tuesday tuesday <laughs> the uh, the seventeenth uh, or the tenth or the third or whatever Tuesday it actually shows up, it'll be out, and it's uh, it's really it's just it's I mean it's it's a really nice book. And in case you didn't catch the title on the front, they put it across two pages in here. What's There's, the title uh, again? What is that title again? Uh, uh, black uh, and white and weird all over. Oh, that's There's it. Some, yeah, that's some it. pictures go across <laughs> two pages. I mean, it's really it's a nine by twelve uh, book, so it's it's really. It's really. It's a, it's a great book. It's a great book. I think I got to figure out a way that I can I can have this here and then like pull it off the pull wall. It <laughs> next, next interview. 
<laughs> well, John, we'd like to have you back in the garage. Oh, maybe in, in a month, month and a half, and just talk about the book again. And and because I think well, it's it's just a great value. I, I, yes. Well, well, thank you, thank you very much, and and I appreciate it. And um, you know, hopefully uh, next time I'll be able to talk a little bit more about uh, the tour. You know, yeah, that'd be great. if I know more about it, you know, right. things begin to open up a little bit. You know, California is a tough state on, on COVID yeah. and they've got things pretty locked down and they're just beginning to, you know, they just opened up the malls, you know, only 25% capacity, but they've mm -hmm. opened up malls now and they're starting to, you know, people can eat in restaurants, but outside. Yeah, and, right. and uh, they're really, they're, they're loosening up a little bit, even though things are still a little dicey right now, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're trying. They're really trying right. to make it work. I think they've opened up hair salons again and barbershops. Not that I need to, you know. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't been in a barbershop in probably eight months and you wouldn't know. So, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll know a little bit more soon and, and uh, you know, be out there next year. And uh, I expect a lot of the fans that have bought the book to show up with them and have me autograph them and maybe have, Jesus, uh, shoo. Shoo! Have <laughs> that never gets old. <laughs> and I'll—I mean, if they show up at the shows, you know, I'm, I'm happy to autograph them, and uh, you know, they can try and get Al and and some of the guys and stuff like that. So it's really cool. I'm just—I'm very proud of this. And and uh, interestingly, I mean, the book has been developing all year, but it didn't come up as a result of COVID. This was had already been in the works. Yeah. And uh, and happily, the COVID thing didn't really change it coming out. It didn't change anything about it. It delayed it by three weeks. You know, that's, yeah. I can live with that. So, yeah. but thank you for letting me come on and, and talk Thanks about for it coming and, on. and show yep. some of my, uh, my fun backgrounds here. Let's see, this is, uh, oh, I'm in uh, uh, Surfer's Paradise in Australia. How nice. Well, I got to see the one you have a, you kind of have a Simpsons one. I thought I saw earlier. A little <laughs> oh, bit oh, oh, well, I have to, I have to hang on. Okay. You ready? It's a story of a man named Rabuda. <laughs> Love it. Yes, and then Simpsons, there's uh, me with facial hair. Uh, there's me with hair. <laughs> there's uh, me, me, young, young me with hair. Anyway, the, the Bermuda bunch. I love it. That is so great. Anyway, there it, you go. Well, back well, to Chastain Park. <laughs> If only you had a George Eliot drum, you would be in perfect Ooh. shape. Ooh, that's a beauty. That's that very is cool. a fun, fun drum. Well, John, thanks again for hanging out in the garage with us, and let's stay in touch. And maybe uh, you know, in, in a month or so, we can check back in with you if you've got the time. Cool. I'm, yeah, I'm, we'll, I got I got nowhere to go. We'll be tracking you down with our books so you can sign them for us. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Right. Thanks See you so later. much. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.